I'm Don Mockholtz, and you are listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 50 for the week of December 16th, 2020. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z, two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, December 16th, the moon is a thin crescent in our evening sky. What could be one of your best astrophoto opportunities of the year? On the evening of Wednesday, December 16th, the moon will pass south of the planets Jupiter and Saturn. Even a cell phone could get a great shot of this grouping. You won't see a scene like this for a long time. By the end of the week, Tuesday, December 22nd, the moon will be 60% full just past first quarter in our evening sky, setting about midnight. The planet Mars is high in the sky at evening twilight. The winter Milky Way is also high in the sky by 10 p.m., followed hours later by the spring sky and all those galaxies. The moon is not yet in the morning sky, so now might be a good time for morning viewing. The planet Venus is getting difficult to find in the morning sky as it closes in on the sun. There are three astronomical events that occur on December 21st. One occurs each year, one occurs seldom, and one occurs once in a lifetime. I'm talking about the winter solstice, a meteor shower, and the Great Conjunction. The sun reaches its furthest point south on Monday, December 21st. In some zones, it will be the night before Sunday, December 20th. Daylight will be shortest in the northern hemisphere and longest in the southern hemisphere. Nighttime will be longest in the northern hemisphere and shortest in the southern hemisphere. The sun is at right ascension, its celestial coordinates of 18 hours right ascension. From this point on, the sun starts moving northward, slowly at first. If you in the northern hemisphere think This means it will start warming up. You have another thing coming, cold weather. Yes, the temperatures lag behind the solar position by several months. So even with the sun moving north, it will get colder. The Ursid, U-R-S-I-D, meteor shower peaks on the evening of December 21st. These meteors seem to radiate from the Little Dipper, Ursa Minor far up in the northern sky. On most years, this shower provides about 5 to 10 meteors per hour. But this year, there is a chance we may have an outburst. If there is, it will occur about 10.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which translates to 1.10 a.m. Tuesday, December 22nd, Eastern Standard Time, or 6.10 a.m. Universal Time. 
The moon sets around midnight, so some will have a moonless sky and some will not. Once again, the Ursid meteor shower, possible outburst, the evening of December 21st, 1010 Pacific Standard Time. A good game plan for this is to go out shortly before that time, spend a half hour outside watching for meteors radiating from the northern part of the sky and see if it takes effect. Let's talk about the conjunction, which occurs on Monday, December 21st. Two planets, Jupiter and Saturn, close together in our evening sky. This is brought to you by the motions of the planets. The planet Jupiter, our largest solar system's planet, 10 times larger than the Earth and 10 times smaller than the Sun, takes 12 years to go around the Sun once. So if it is well-placed for observation in the evening sky in July, as it was this year, then next year it will be well-placed a month later in August, and the year after that in September, as Jupiter goes around the Sun and slowly travels among the stars as seen from the Earth. Jupiter is five times farther from the Sun than we are. The planet in the orbit beyond Jupiter is Saturn, 10 times farther from the Sun than we are, and it takes 29 years to go around the Sun. It moves around the Sun much more slowly than the planet Jupiter, 29 years versus 12 years. So about every 20 years, Jupiter catches up with Saturn and passes it by, leaving it behind. As Jupiter gets close to Saturn, as seen from the Earth, this is known as a conjunction. In reality, they are far from each other. Jupiter is 5.9 times farther from us than is the Sun, 5.9, while Saturn is 10.8 times farther from us than is the Sun. If you were on Saturn, you would see Jupiter and the Earth very close together. If you were on Jupiter, Earth would be in one part of the sky and Saturn would be in the opposite side of the sky. A conjunction can be between any two or more planets, such as Mars and Uranus, which will occur next month. Conjunctions between Jupiter and Venus, the two brightest planets, occur about once per year. And since Venus is an inner planet, not getting far from the Sun as seen from the Earth, some of those conjunctions are too close to the Sun to be seen. A conjunction can also be between a planet and a star, or the Moon and any object. The star of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago may have been a conjunction possibly between Jupiter and Saturn, Jupiter and Venus, and or Jupiter and the star Regulus, or even a combination of these. I'm sure that some of you will be thinking of the star of Bethlehem as you look at this conjunction. So back to this conjunction, Jupiter and Saturn. Every 20 years, Jupiter laps Saturn and we have a conjunction. This time, they are particularly close together, about one-tenth of a degree, that is six arc minutes apart, with a degree being 60 arc minutes, 
The moon is about 30 arc minutes across. Jupiter and Saturn will be within 30 arc minutes of each other, a moon's width, from December 17th through December 25th. They will appear close to each other all week, but closest on Monday, December 21st. They will not be this close together again until the year 2080. Also, as seen from the Earth, they are only 30 degrees from the sun in the evening sky. This is important in that Jupiter and Saturn will set shortly after the sky darkens in the evening. If you go out at 8 or 9 p.m., you will have missed the show because they would have already set. I would recommend trying to find Jupiter and Saturn in the daytime. Jupiter, 11 times brighter than Saturn, would be the easier one to find. It is 2 hours and 9 minutes following the sun and 3.0 degrees north of the sun. So wherever the sun is at a certain time around midday, say the top of a tree or some fixed terrestrial object at any particular time, the planet Jupiter will be three degrees north of that spot, two hours and nine minutes later. Find Jupiter first, then find Saturn fainter and ghostly in the daytime sky, north of Jupiter. For those of you with go-to telescopes, align the night before. Those with GPS go-to telescopes, set the telescope up and tell it to find Jupiter. Seeing this phenomenon in the daytime sky is not only exciting because you're seeing two planets together in the daytime sky, but they will be higher in the sky than they will be in the evening, and you will have more time to observe them. As darkness falls on the evening of Monday, December 21st, I have one question for you. With the unaided eye, can you see one or two objects? Can you separate Jupiter and Saturn with the unaided eye? I have hoped, as have others, that this event would generate public star parties. But the virus and related restrictions have limited such activities. Some astronomy clubs may be planning what are known as virtual star parties. They use the Internet, Zoom, Facebook, or YouTube, to provide live images of the sky through their telescopes. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, December 16th through Tuesday, December 22nd? It all depends upon your location. This week we have five zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 60 degrees north, the International Space Station will not be visible this week. Everyone else can see it in their morning sky, at least for part of the week. Between 37 and 60 degrees north, the International Space Station will be visible for at least some of the week. Th those near 37 degrees north will see it all week long, while those up near 60 degrees north will see it only for the last part of the week. Between 18 and 37 degrees north, 
The ISS will be in your morning sky all week long. In the equatorial region between 15 degrees south and 18 degrees north, the ISS will be in your morning sky at least for most of the week, but not for the whole week. South of 15 degrees south, the ISS is in both your morning and evening sky, although in the northern part of that section, minus 15 to minus 30 degrees, the ISS will be in your skies only for the first part of the week. To determine where the International Space Station can be seen in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com, enter your location, then click on ISS. Now for the comets that you can see this week. The positions, right ascension and declination of these comets, can be found on Podcast 48, Comet Positions, on my website. You can also get the positions of these comets from heavens-above.com. Comet Howell 88P is magnitude 11.0. It is in our southern evening sky. It is slowly dimming. The crescent moon passes south of it on December 18th. Periodic Comet Howe is plotted on Podcast 50, Map 1. Comet 2020M3 Atlas is magnitude 9 and passing some outstanding star fields in the constellation Auriga and is in the sky all night long. Coming soon during the first week of January, it passes within a half degree of the star Capella. This comet is plotted on Podcast 50, Maps 1 and 2. And what a difference a week makes with Comet P141 Machholz 2. Last week it had not yet been observed visually. Now it is fairly easy at magnitude 11. It is diffuse and 3 to 4 arc minutes across. I first spotted it on December 12th and have noticed that it is brighter each night since then. CCD images show two smaller fragments ahead of the comet. A recent study done by Sam Dean indicates that the two fragments have been here before. The brighter one, traveling about eight arc minutes ahead of the comet, is fragment D, which in 1994 was a major component and for a short while became brighter than the main comet. Let's watch it this time and see if it develops similarly. The other fragment, the fainter one, about 30 arc minutes ahead of the comet, is fragment B, also discovered in 1994. And that same fragment was identified as fragment H when it was seen in 2015. So of the five comet parts found in 1994, A through F, A is the main one, and of course that is back. B is back, and D is back. C and E have been lost for several orbits. A paper published in 1999 describes some of the fragmentation in great detail. You can download that from my website, Podcast 42, Multiple Fragmentation of Comet Machholz 2. Periodic Comet Machholz 2, also known as 141P, 
reaches perihelium this week on December 16th. It is identified on Podcast 50, Maps 1 and 3. Photos of this comet will also be posted on my website, donmockholtz.com. To recap the podcast for this coming week, the moon is in our evening sky for the whole week. Wednesday night, December 16th, look for the moon with Jupiter and Saturn. Monday, December 21st, the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Monday night, December 21st, the Ursid meteor shower possible outburst at 10.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1.10 a.m. on the East Coast on December 22nd. And we have three comets to watch. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 50 for December 16th, 2020. I'm Don Makos. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmakos.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. You can contact me at donTheAstronomer at gmail.com. Once again, that is donTheAstronomer, all one word, at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We will discuss what's going on in the sky as we close in on the end of 2020. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.